Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. And uh, short people, you know the struggle is real. We want to show people that. Come on. Yeah, God loves short people. He uses short people in the Bible. He doesn't use many tall people. He used one tall guy. His name was Saul. Didn't work out well for him. So, I'm just kidding. God doesn't hate tall people. I do. In uh, uh, <laughs> a better way. All right, well... <laughs> I'm just hating. Um, A better way. I'm going to open up with the verse that we've been opening up the entire series. This is what the message, the idea for this six-week series came from. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If not, it'll be on the screen behind me. There is a way that, everyone say these two words with me, seems right, but in the end, it leads to death. And we've been answering the question, why or how could it possibly seem right? If in the end, it ultimately leads to death, if in the end, it's detrimental, If if in the end, it's unhealthy, If in the end it's wrong, why would I do it? You would think, you being a logical, reasonable human being, that you wouldn't do anything that would harm you reasonably. Uh, But that is not true. Uh, The reason why we think it's okay, or why we think it's the best way, is because, number one, it seems like the right way, because that's the way it was modeled for us. That's the way we saw mom and dad do it. Uh, Zane, this morning, was leaving the house, and he looked at his brother, who was needed to bring his laptop to school to finish up, to church, to finish up an assignment. And uh, he said, "Uh, Justice, grab the charger. And Justice said, my laptop is 100% charged. And then Zane said, yeah, but just in case, grab the charger. And then as he was walking to the car, he said, oh my God, I'm turning into mom. (laughs) Because that's that's, that's Liz, you know? It's just like, bring the charger, bring an extra pair of underwear. You never know. Anti-venom, you know, it's out there. (laughs) You gotta be prepared, (laughs) be ready. And, uh, And so we do that, right? A lot of times we, without even knowing, we become our parents. And uh, sometimes that's a great thing, and uh, sometimes that's a thing that needs, that needs to at least be examined and, and maybe shifted. It seems like the right way because everyone's going that way, number two, right? When society says that this is the way to do things, that's the way we do things. I do that all the time. <laughs> we were just having a discussion today of whether we should have this water bottle here. And I told the staff, I said, I'd love the water bottle here. We're going to not have the water bottle here anymore. Anyway. Uh, because most people are doing it, right? So when the restaurant has the highest Yelp reviews, that's the restaurant we go to. When the movie has the highest ratings, that's the movie we see. We trust society's opinion, and that's not always the right way. And finally, it seems like the right way because it's the easier way. But not everything that's easy is right. And Jesus said in response to that in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth. Thank you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, Jesus is saying, do not allow your parents to dictate what is right or wrong. Do not allow society to tell you what is right or wrong. And don't allow your energy level or what seems like the easiest thing. 
look at my life. My way is the right way. Live life the way I lived it. And of course, he lived his life according to the word because he was the word. Now, today's message, our final principle that we're going to be talking about, the final better way topic, is something that I've waited to the very end to share because if I'm honest, it's probably the one that I struggle with the most and also the thing that has had the biggest impact in my everyday life, in my sleep, uh, in my health, in my mental health, in my leading this church church. And it's probably going to surprise you to know this about me because you might not think that I am this type of person. But today I want to talk about complaining. And you might not know that about me, but I believe that I have the spiritual gift of complaining. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying that that spirit came from heaven, but it came from somewhere. And it might not be a gift. It might also be a curse. But I can walk into any space. And no matter how great it is, I can point out at least three things that are wrong with it and at least three ways that it can be better, <laughs> a better way. <laughs> That's me. It's, it's, it's a problem. Um, I wish I wasn't like that. Most people are surprised, again, because I tend to be positive. They look at me being, but I'm really just internalizing all of my complaints. Like, for example, if at the end of this service, if 20 people were to give their lives to Jesus at the end of this service and raise their hand, I would walk away from the service not excited about that because I would be complaining about what I just did with that bottle of water. I'll, I'll be in the green room and I'll be like, I can't believe I knocked on it. And Pastor Liz will be there be like, 20 people are going to heaven. I'm like, yeah, but they're going wet because the bottle fell and dissolving and that's blah, blah. And it's a problem. It's a problem. I'm glad I have her. She's there to balance me out. She's, she does that often. I remember one time and specifically I was 29, about to turn 30. And you know, I know now because I'm 36 that 29 turning 30 is ridiculously young. But you don't know that when you're 29. When you're about to turn 30, you start buying burial plots. You know, because you think life is over so soon. And it's just not true. All right. Uh, people who are telling me, people who are still in their 20s talking about I haven't figured out life are like, but you got a lot of life ahead of you. Don't worry about it. It'll come. Yeah, you're going to be okay. And I remember telling her one time, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm about turn 30 and you know, it's middle age and my back hurts and my feet hurt and I'm tired all the time and I got these stomach things I didn't have before and I just hate turning 30. I just hate getting older. And she told me in a way that my wife, most wives only can, in a way that both encourages you and challenges you, in a way that both makes you feel special and stupid. You know, she, she told me, she looked at me and she said, oh, okay. She said, so, so I guess if God was really good, he would have killed you when you were 29. I said, excuse me, miss. She gave me a perspective I didn't have. So what you're complaining about is that God has extended your life? I'm sorry, I'm trying to, I'm trying to catch on. Because people who get older are people who are alive. So maybe we ought to thank God instead of complaining to God. And unfortunately, it's getting passed on to my children. I believe my complaining spirit, I can't hide it from them because I don't pretend. I don't pretend here and I also don't pretend at home. I am who I am. And I, if you don't like it, I got to get better. I got to grow. I got to you know, improve as a person. But uh, it's something I do at home and my kids are starting to do it. And so just the other day, we woke up Justice and Zane early and I said, guys, surprise, we're going to Disney. And they looked at me and they said, again? Again? Did you hear what I said? What do you, you know how many kids would kill somebody? 
to be in your position right now again? Dad, it's just that we go all the time again. And in that moment, I was so mad. I felt like all of my sacrifice as a father was worth nothing. Like all of the hard work that I put in to be able to have a lifestyle, to be able to afford to go to these places. Like they didn't appreciate any of my hard work or sacrifice. And if that's the way I feel as a heaven, as an earthly father, I wonder how God feels as a heavenly father. I wonder when we wake up in the morning and this is one of those days we look at God and we go, again? <laughs> I had to look it up in the green room because I, I wanted to be sure. I didn't want to tell you lies. You know, 12% of Americans who die, die in their sleep. That means that they didn't wake up. That means that thing that you and I take for granted, that again is actually a miracle, again. And the next day you wake up, that's a miracle again, and a miracle again, and a miracle again. Oh man, I gotta go to my job, I hate my job. I gotta go there again. You mean the job that 39,000 other people are praying for in the city of Orlando? The one that puts food on your table, the one that puts a roof over your head that you might not be super excited about, but it's keeping you alive and surviving? Yes, God has been faithful again. It might not be something to complain about, but we do it often because complaining was, as I mentioned in the opening, modeled for us. Many of us had parents who complained. And it wasn't just parents who complained in front of us. It was parents who complained to us about each other. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Somebody clap. You know what I'm talking about? Many of us had parents who complained. Your mother's a real piece of work. <laughs> Let me tell you about your mom. She's in one of those moods. It's that time of the month. Stay away from mom. Or moms telling their daughters and their sons, well, you know how dad can be, you know? He's like, it's just another game. He's gonna, don't worry, I'll be there. He, so that gets a model for us and we begin to implement that in our own lives. Complaining is something that everyone does. At least it seems that way, so it must be okay. Get on Twitter anytime and I guarantee you that one of the top trending topics on Twitter, two out of the 10 will be complaints. Either about a celebrity or a restaurant or a politician. You know what people are complaining about on Twitter this week? Twitter. <laughs> They're complaining about Twitter on Twitter. Companies invest millions of dollars in complaint departments. Everybody complains, so it must be all right. And then frankly, complaining is just easier. It's easier to complain about the grass than it is to mow it. Huh? It's easier to complain about the teacher than it is to take responsibility for not studying. It's easier to complain about the person who abandoned you and betrayed you and was not there for you than to thank the many people who were there for you, who did support you, who did believe in you, who did encourage you. It's easier. Hear me out. There are times in life when life will not go your way. Say amen. amen. When life does not go your way, our response should not be to complain. Instead, according to scripture, according to Jesus, our response should be not to complain, but to practice gratitude. The title of today's message is A Better Way When Things Don't Go Your Way. A better way when things don't go your way. Now, I'm about to complain about complaining. <laughs> but before I complain, let me just tell you that not all complaining is wrong. In fact, there are two times in life when you should complain. First time in your life when you should complain is any time that there is injustice in your life or injustice in the world. Pastor Liz is really good at this, and she gets very mad whenever she sees injustice. At like one time, she got real mad at Zara. 
because they shipped her. She ordered some shoes and they shipped her shoe and she opened the box and it was two different shoes in one box. So she called up Zara and she said, hey, um, y'all shipped me two different shoes in one box. I'm pretty stylish, but I don't think I could pull this off. Zara said, well, sorry, ma'am. There's nothing we can do about it. She said, what? You shipped me the wrong shoes. How is it? She, she doesn't like injustice. When things are not fair, she gets it from her dad for sure. And so she said, well, I need you to do something. And the person said, I can't do anything. She said, well, I need to speak to your supervisor. And the, and the lady on the phone said, I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm as high as it goes in this company. There's no one above me who can do anything for you. She said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was speaking to Mr. Zara. <laughs> She said that. She got so hood. When she, I was in the living room. When she said that, I was like, oh, I stopped what I was doing. I was like, dang, how is this going to turn out? When she said, Mr. Zara, she said, so you're telling me you are the CEO of the company. He said, I'm going to get someone on the phone for you. <laughs> and they did. And that person was able to do what the other person was not able to do when she got her other shoe because she complained. Now listen, that, I, I don't mind that about my wife because she doesn't just do that with shoes, she does that with people. Whenever people are experiencing injustice, she complains. And whenever we see people being mistreated, whenever we see freedoms being infringed upon or rights being taken away, we ought to raise up our voice because silence is agreement and we should complain to the powers that be so that we can experience change. We should complain when we see injustice. The other time we should complain, listen, is when we're speaking to God. It's okay to complain. Just make sure you're complaining to the Lord. I'm going to give you a verse that's about to free you and shift your theology on complaining. Psalms chapter 142, verses 1 through 2. With my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. I love this part. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. God doesn't mind if you complain, as long as you're complaining to him. And we bring our complaints to God for two reasons. Number one, because he cares. John chapter 11, 35, the shortest verse in all the Bible and one of the most powerful, Jesus wept. That verse comes in the context of Lazarus dying and Jesus looking at all of the family members who are sad because Jesus didn't do the miracle in their life that he, they thought he was supposed to do. And he didn't just heal. He didn't just give advice. He didn't just fix it right away. Before he did any of that, he cried with them. I need you to know that you serve a God who is not just there to give advice, rules, or regulations. He's there to cry with you when you need someone to cry with you. When my wife is going through a tough time, I let her speak. And after she's done speaking, I say this. Husbands, you can use this. I didn't come up with it. I actually took it from Pastor Joey. Whenever my wife is done speaking, I, I, I look at her. She looks at me. I don't know what to do. So I just tell her, I say, do you want my advice or do you want my ears? And a lot of times she'll tell me, just your ears. I just need someone to, to feel what I feel. What I love about Jesus, and the reason why, by the way, Father God became Jesus. There's a whole theology lesson behind it. But God was eternal, so God in of himself could never experience hunger because he's God. He can never be tempted because he's God. He didn't know what it's like to have a bad night's sleep because he's God. He didn't know what it's like to, to, to be in pain or to bleed because he's God. But when God became a man, God went through every experience that a human being could go through in Jesus. 
bled, betrayed, hunger, sleeplessness, then returned to heaven so that when you and I pray to God now and we say, God, I'm going through this, God can look back at us with authenticity and say, me too. I know what that feels like. That's a good time to praise God. You have a God that relates. You have a God that relates, who understands. But we also speak to God for the same reason that Liz spoke to the supervisor, because he's the only one who can do anything about it. That's why I get him on the phone. Every once in a while, my kids will get into a fight, an argument. I can hear it from my office while I'm working, but I try not to intervene. I try to let them figure it out. I'm trying to teach them to become men, adults, resolve your issues without me, because I won't always be there. But they don't always resolve it. At some point, there's ah, 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 ah. And the one who got hit runs over to me and says, he hit me. And I get the one who did the hit, and I say, why did you hit your brother? And they said, because he wouldn't do this, 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 or that. And I said, well, did you ask him nicely? And he'll say, yes, I did. And I said, and did he do it? And they'll say, no, that's why I hit him. <laughs> I said, the next time your brother doesn't do what you're asking, especially if it's something like, you know, can you, can you move out of my way, please? Can you give me my toy back or something like that? Come get dad, because dad has got an authority in this house that you don't have. And although your voice cannot get your brother or your enemy to move, my voice can get the enemy to move. One of the worst things you can do in life in your spiritual battle is try and fight the devil. The Bible never tells us to be exorcists. It tells us to be prayer warriors. And as we pray, what we're really doing is going to the Father to get the enemy to do things that we can't do in our own strength and in our own selves. He's the only one who can do something. I will tell you what, the devil would rather you go on vacation as a method of managing your stress than bringing your cares to him. He'll, he'll even raise the money for the vacation so that you go and have fun, have your week of fantasy land. But when you come back to real life, I'll be waiting for you. He'd rather you do that and cast your cares on God because when you cast your cares on God, God starts to get involved. And the devil's got an answer for all of your issues. The devil's got an answer for all of your solutions except the ones that God brings. He got no answer for God. The devil would have you read a thousand self-help books than 10 verses in the Bible. Because God's word is the thing that he can't stand against. God's word is the thing he has no answer for. God's word is the thing that died on the cross for humanity. God's word. So, so I'm just telling you <laughs> that we bring our complaints to God because he's the only one who can do anything about it. Which is why we really shouldn't complain in the first place. Because one of the things I know about complaining, hear me, is that complaining by itself accomplishes nothing. Complaining by itself accomplishes nothing. Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 11 says, the more words that are spoken, the more smoke there is in the air, and who is any better off? Sometimes the boys will have chores, and they will not like their chore, and they will spend 30 minutes arguing with me about how they don't like their chore. Do you think their 30-minute plea persuaded me in any way to take away that chore? No. Now they got the same chores, and they're 30 minutes behind schedule. <laughs> I tell them right when I begin to feel the spirit of complaining come up. I go, eh, dick, 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 dick. <laughs> before you go on, I just want you to know, this sounds like it's going to take 30 minutes. You could spend the 30 minutes to complaining and do the chore, or you could do the chore now and save the 30 minutes. Either way, hear this, you're going to have to do the work. Because things don't change if you don't do the work. This is my big beef. This is what I take up with the Israelites. I don't get it. They, they, they come through the Red Sea to go into the promised land. They get into the desert and they complain to God about not having water. I get that. 
It's one thing to complain about you don't have the nicest shoes in your school. It's another thing to be like, I'm dying of dehydration. Like, that's a legit complaint, right? But why are they complaining, here's my question, and not digging wells? Because God split the sea, so he, they expected the same God to split the sea to send the rain. They wanted God to do everything, and they wanted to do nothing. And God doesn't work for us as much as he works with us. Had they asked the Lord for his help, had they begin digging those wells, I, I believe they would have found water in that desert. But because they didn't, they stayed in the same season for 40 years. I wrote it like this. I hope it will minister to you. When you choose to complain, you choose to remain. If you're just going to complain, you're going to stay exactly where you are in life, exactly where you are in your marriage, exactly where you are as a parent. It's easy to complain, but change comes at a cost. Also, we got to be careful complaining is bad because complaining is contagious. You ever wonder how the people of God, after seeing all of those miracles, 10 plagues, and then the Red Sea dividing, how they could complain about the Lord? Numbers chapter 11, verse 4, gives us a cue, a, a, a hint, a clue. Then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt, and the people of Israel also began to complain. You can keep that on the screen for a second. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but when the Israelites came out of Egypt, God embarrassed the Egyptian gods so badly that some of the Egyptians started thinking to themselves, I don't think our gods are good. <laughs> our gods are losing this battle. This God, Yahweh, they keep talking about, he seems like the real deal. Let's go follow him. So they ask the Israelites if they can go with them out of Egypt. So they join the Israelite caravan and they become a part of God's people. But they were born foreigners. So as they're coming into the desert, all of these Egyptians who grew up in the good life of Egypt start to tell the Israelites, hey, it was way better back then. Then that starts to infect the Israelites. And now they start thinking the same thing. Why? Because complaining is contagious. Me and my wife spent a, 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 a four or five days at a really nice hotel this past, uh, a couple weeks ago, celebrating our 14-year anniversary. And it was awesome. One of the coolest things about this hotel was a heated toilet seat. <laughs> Have you ever, raise your hand if you've ever sat on a heated toilet seat. It's the thing I never knew I needed. <laughs> it's the thing I never knew I wanted. Until I, until I tried it, and I don't want to ever go back. What a pleasant experience. <laughs> it's so cool. So then we go to this restaurant that's really nice, really nice. And Liz goes to the bathroom. Well, when she comes back, you know, it's a nice restaurant, so I want to hear what the bathroom's like. And I'm like, hey, what's the bathroom like? Because it's a nice restaurant. She goes, that's, it's good. I'm like, that seems strange, because this was like a nice place. She goes, yeah, it's just... No heated toilet seat. I was like, what do you mean no heated toilet seat? But it's beautiful. No heated toilet seat. It's not a big deal. She goes, no, I know. It's just, you know, no heated toilet seat. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to go check out this bathroom. So then I go use the bathroom. And then, uh, you know, it's beautiful. Marble all over the walls and the floor. And the, the, the things are good. Appliances are all nice. Smells good. It's clean. The good toilet paper. Everything. And then, but then I have a son on the toilet. And I come back and I go, hey, you know, no heated toilet seat. You're right. <laughs> But I would have never even thought that. Are you with me? If I went around her who, who, who thought that. Now that sounds funny when we're talking about a toilet seat. But what do you think happens when you get around people who are complaining about their family? Huh? Then you start to come home to your family. 
And you start to see things that you never even saw before until you were hanging out with people who were complaining about theirs. That's why I always tell pastors that she knows too. Be careful hanging out with ladies who are always complaining about their husbands. Because then you're going to come back projecting on me their disappointment. What happens when you hang around people who are talking negative about their kids? When you start looking at your kids, you'll be like, you know, he doesn't play music. You know, that's right. What happens when you hang around people who are complaining about their jobs? Then all of a sudden you go to work and you start not liking your job, but you loved your job before you had that friend in your life. You have to be careful. Complaining is contagious. I wrote it like this. Surrounding yourself with complainers is as unhealthy for your soul as secondhand smoke is for your lungs. It gets in you and it, and it corrupts you and it pollutes your heart. Stay away from it. Finally, listen, the complaining is a problem because when you're complaining, you're not complaining about the circumstances, you're complaining about God. Exodus chapter 16, verse 6 through 7. Yes, he's listened to your complaints against him, but you haven't been complaining against us, Moses says. You know, you've been complaining against God. The idea of sovereignty is a scary idea. The fact that God is in control of all things. But there is a balance. There is a free will aspect of it. So whenever you are in a circumstance that you are not happy about, two things you need to do before you complain to God. First off, is it God's fault that you're there or is it your choice's fault? That's the first thing. Evaluate the choices. After you evaluate the choices, listen, there are some circumstances in life that are not our fault at all. You are not to blame for who your dad or who your mom is. God picked that out. It's not your fault if you were doing the speed limit and somebody came up and rear-ended you in the back and now you got to pay because they don't got insurance. That's not your fault. Whenever you enter into a circumstance that you had no control over and you wish you weren't there, you have to remind yourself that God allowed it. And if God allowed it, there must be a reason for it. God is good. Now, when you complain to the Lord, again, he doesn't matter. He doesn't care that you complain, but you got to complain to him. Don't start complaining to your friends about your life. Bring it to the Lord. We say this thing at Journey. We say we don't talk with about people we talk with people so 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 whenever you complain about your life to other people you need to know you're complaining about God not with God so talk to him but when you talk to him will you keep it 100 please because we don't keep it 100 we talk to him about all the things in our life that are going negative but we never highlight one of the things that he's doing positive we just only bring the negative God's like I got no problem complaining but let's keep it 100 if I come home and dinner is not cooked for me I gotta be real careful about how I approach this People ain't trying to get shot. You know what I'm saying? Not trying to get slapped. Not trying to get divorced up in here. I don't show up and be like, how dare you not? Don't you know? I'm working hard and I'm eating food. If there's no food, there's no food. You know why I'm okay with that? Because I have to put in context the one meal that was not there with the thousands of meals over the 14 years that have been there. Keep it 100. And on top of that, are you ready? She don't even got to make me food. She makes me food because she loves me. She don't got to do it. Your appreciation for God will go to the next level when you realize he don't got to do it. He don't got to be good. He don't got to be faithful. He don't got to give grace. He don't got to bless. But he does it. Not because you and I deserve it, but because of who he is. So keep it 100. Don't complain. Listen, practice gratitude. Practice gratitude. How do I practice gratitude? I'm going to give you three ways. Number one, practice gratitude in reverse. Now, before I get into this in reverse, let me get into this practice gratitude part. It's practice because it doesn't come naturally. You got to keep doing it 
over and over and over. It doesn't come naturally to, com- to, to be grateful or to have gratitude. It, it comes naturally to complain. So you got to practice it. And also, I say practice gratitude because I hate the term be grateful. If one person looks at me when I'm going through a hard time and tells me be grateful, I just want to drop kick that person. <laughs> it's so frustrating. Parents, never tell your children be grateful. That's like telling your child be great. How do they do that? By what? Practicing. So to be grateful, you have to practice gratitude. So practice gratitude. You got to do it over and over and over and over again. Philippians 4.4. Practice gratitude in reverse. Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice. Do it again. Listen, the Israelites were not wrong to complain. They were wrong to forget. They weren't wrong to complain about not drinking water. They were just wrong to forget all the things that God had done for them while they were in Egypt. They split the sea, and right when they split the sea, okay, Miriam, who's Moses' sister-in-law, sings a song about splitting the sea. And catch this. I never realized this, but I went through my Bible. They don't talk about the Red Sea again for another 40 years. For 40 years, they don't mention it one time. God did it, and then they left it behind and started complaining. But sometimes when there's nothing going good in your life today, you got to rejoice about what happened yesterday. You got to pull some things out of your past that God did to sustain you in your future. This is why we call it rejoice, because you're finding joy in a thing today that you found joy in a first time a while ago. Let me explain it another way. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be redoing something that we all love. We're going to be reheating Thanksgiving dinner. It was cooked on Thanksgiving. It tasted good on Thanksgiving. But am I the only one who thinks the food tastes better the next day than on the day of? Oh, my gosh. When you wake up that morning and you got two slices of white bread and you cut that that turkey and you put that between the white bread with some mayonnaise on it, put that thing in the microwave, you take a... Oh, my gosh. Or some need you put that in the white bread, and then you, oh my gosh. Hey, doesn't it taste better the second time around? You need to praise God for what he did yesterday. It tastes better the second time around. You need to give God praise. Rejoice. Do it again. I know it happened then, but he's still good today, but you remember it. Remember it. On Halloween, we took our kids a, a trick-or-treat. Now, don't judge me if you don't go trick-or-treat. You don't judge me for going trick-or-treating, and I won't judge you for going to Halloween Horror Nights. Keep it 100. It's a matter of conscience. So if it's bad for you, don't do it. If you don't feel like it's bad, then you go ahead and do it. But don't make someone else feel bad because they don't share your convictions. That's all the Bible teaches, at least. In Corinthians, if you're asking. So we did it. We dressed up as Ghostbusters. Just our kids up as Ghostbusters. Which is like the most spiritual. It's the most Christian. Because I'm a Ghostbuster. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm a spiritual Ghostbuster. You know what I'm saying? So they're little spiritual Ghostbusters. We showed up, man. It was fun. We were having a good time. Then my father-in-law, Pastor David, shows up. He has some uh, army military outfit from Goodwill, <laughs> which he could wear because he's actually a veteran. And he puts it on, and he starts walking with my kids. To the, and he's so next level, man. He starts walking around with the thing, and then he asks uh, my wife for her phone, and she plays the Ghostbuster music. Who are you going to call? He plays it and he shows up to the front door with the two Ghostbusters and him holding the Ghostbusters. It was a whole play. It was a whole play. 
and the people are loving it when they open the door. They're just having the best time. This is such a great moment. And my wife pulls out my cell phone and she starts recording him. And it sounds grim when I say it, but it's beautiful when you think about it. She goes, she told me, she goes, this is the video we're going to play at his funeral. Because that is him in a nutshell. If you don't know my father, that's him all the way. He said, because, listen, why is that beautiful? Because when we're at that funeral and there's nothing to find joy in, in that moment, we're going to be able to rejoice in the other moments, in our past moments that came. I'm just telling you right now, if you're going through it right now, you need to pull some things from your past. He's been good at some points in your life. He's been faithful at some points in your life. He's blessed you at some points in your life. If you get into a car accident, you can complain about it, or you can rejoice in all the accidents you've driven past in your life. Hundreds of accidents you've driven past. It's the one you got into now, but hadn't he saved you before? Wouldn't he faithful before? Come on now. Now, rejoice, praise, praise, practice gratitude in reverse. Here's the second one. Listen, practice gratitude in it, in it, in it. I gotta, I'm running out of time, so I don't know if you know about this guy named Jonah in the Bible. Short story got swallowed by fish, <laughs> just disobeying God. It just, but it wasn't, way of, it wasn't God's way of punishing him, it was God's way of keeping him from running away from his purpose. God cares more about your purpose than your comfort. He doesn't want you to miss out on the things that are really going to bring you joy in life for the fake things that are only going to make you happy temporarily. So this was Jonah's whole story. Gets swallowed up by a fish. <laughs> Three days he spends in that fish. And then the third day he prays. And some people are like, why did it take him three days to pray? I get swallowed by a fish in that very moment. <laughs> oh, dear God, Lord, please help me. Lord, a fish ate me. You know, three days. I think, I think, I think it took him three days because he just couldn't get his mind around what was happening. He was so overwhelmed. He was literally, in, he's in hundreds of feet of depth of water. The fish has got, he can't move. He's struggling. He's frustrated. Look at his prayer on the third day. Look at his prayer. Look what he says. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. Voice of what? In the belly of the fish. Voice of thanksgiving. We'll sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. He didn't just thank God before. He thanked God while he was in it. Literally, literally in it. Sometimes you got to learn to praise God in it. Be grateful in it. Don't complain about it. Be in it. You only know this if you've ever died. Raise your hand if you've ever died. Or <laughs> Let me rephrase that. <laughs> People are like, I want a pastor, but I'm still here. Raise your hand if you've almost died, like near-death experience. Yeah, I had one. I was like 10 years old. My dad told me not to ride the bike out of the block. I disobeyed. I rode, the, I rode it down to the mini-mart street in Staten Island. And, and, I was, and I went and started going up and down the parking lot because it had little hills. And I went through two cars, and the guy who was coming had no chance. And the, the Ford pickup truck rammed into me. I flew off that bike, my bike bent in half, my knees all bloody, and but I can walk, but I'm, the dude comes out of the car, are you okay, are you okay? I said, yeah, don't tell my dad. Don't tell my dad. I picked up my bike, I, I shoveled on home, came into the front door, my dad looked at me, and he said, oh my gosh, what happened? I said, I'm so sorry. You told me not to take my bike out of the street. I was at the mini bar and a Ford pickup truck hit me. Please don't spank me. 
parents, parents would know. He says, spank you. He said, you're alive. I'm so glad that you're alive. You know why I think Jonah praised God? Because even though he couldn't move, even though he hadn't eaten for three days, even though he was exhausted and probably didn't sleep, it probably took him three days to realize, oh snap, I'm alive. It didn't kill me. I might feel like I'm caught up. I might feel like I'm trapped, but I'm still breathing. I came to tell somebody today who's going in it. You might feel trapped. You might feel exhausted. You might feel like you have no strength or energy, but you're still breathing. You're still here. And if you're still here, God's still good. He's still got a plan. He can still do breakthrough in your life. He can still heal you. If you're in it, God's with you. He's got a plan for your life. Would you stand up all over this room as we close? You can be grateful in it. You got to look at what you have when you don't have much. Nobody leaving. Look at me really quick. If you don't have your physical health, thank God for your mental health. If you don't have your mental health, thank God for your physical health. If you don't have kids, thank God for your spouse. If you don't have your spouse anymore, thank God for your kids. If you ain't got a job, thank God for your roof. If you don't got a roof, thank God for your car. If you ain't got a car, thank God for your bus. But you got to find the thing in your life that you still have. Because the fact is, and here's how I wrote it. Listen, whenever you find yourself in it, remember that means you're still in it. You're still in it. You're still in it. 2 Corinthians 4, 8. We're hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus can be revealed in our body. Here's the final one. I'll close here. Listen, practice gratitude in advance. In advance. The future can be scary. The doctor's visit can be scary. The surgery can be scary. Being pregnant can be scary. Getting married can be scary. Being divorced can be scary. But when the fear of the future comes, you don't have to always respond with anxiety. There's a better way. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. With what? With gratitude, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. I wrote it like this. Don't just rejoice. Prejoice. It's one thing to look back at what God did and say thank you. It's another thing to say thank you when you get it. But it's a whole nother level of faith to thank God before he does it and before you have it. I wonder if there's anybody at church today who's waiting on something that they have not received yet. I dare you to pre-choice right now. I dare you to lift up your voice and thank God for the thing you don't have yet. I thank God even though my brother isn't in church yet. I thank God because I know he'll be here one day. Even though my son is living a different life, I thank God because I know one day he's going to be serving you. Even though the doctor says I'm not completely have a bill of health, I thank God because I know my bill of health is coming. I thank God in advance. I pre-joice. I know you're good. I know you're going to do it. I love you, Lord. Listen to me. I'm not talking about optimism. I am not an optimistic person. I'm very negative, matter of fact. If something can go wrong, I think it's going to go wrong. Where are people at? We wouldn't call ourselves pessimists. We would call ourselves a realist. <laughs> I'm just keeping it real. It's probably going to go wrong. I'm not an optimist, but you know what I am? You know what I have? Hope. And hope and optimism are two different things. Optimism is the expectation that things are going to go good. Hope is the expectation that no matter what happens, God is good. And I'm not an optimist. I'm not an optimist, but, but I have hope. 
I have hope in my God because he's a good God and if he allowed it, he's going to use it. If you let it come in, he's going to turn it. It's not there to break me, it's there to build me. It's there to restore me. God's going to turn it, he's going to bless me through it. I believe it. If you're here today and you're far from Jesus, let me encourage you. Come back home. This is what he was waiting for. Your sins have been forgiven in advance. Your life is being prepared in advance. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you need Jesus in your life today, I want you to know that you've already been forgiven. You've got to receive the forgiveness. Step into a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came from heaven to earth to die for you and ours transgressions and trespasses. On three, if that's you, and you want to say today, either for the first time or the first time in a long time, I need you, Jesus. Raise your right hand when I say three all over this building. One, two, three. Shoot your right hand high right now. Come on, I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. So many hands across the building. I see your hands. Praise the Lord. Everybody pray this prayer with me. Father God, I give you my life. Thank you for forgiving me of my past. I need you, Jesus. Be my Lord. And be my savior. I accept you. And I follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com slash give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.